shut it down. I'm hunting for someone, y'all. He's a lying, thieving rattlesnake, and he's broken every law. He's terrorized the lives of men, and he's under arrest because I've been sent with a warrant from the body of Christ. What's happening? Why is that? Satan, bite the dust. Hello and welcome to the AC Podcast with myself, Troy, Steve, and Andy. Good morning, good afternoon, or evening, whenever and wherever you are listening to this. Thank you for joining us. Let's get into it. What an epic intro. That was a different opening. Yes, very different. Uh, Some of you might be wondering why we started with that. Well, over the last 12 hours, depending on when you're listening to this, um, we've just received news that Carmen Licciardello, better known as just Carmen, the CCM legend, passed away at the age of 65 due to a series of complications while undergoing a hiatal hernia surgery, which for those of you who don't know is a surgery of the stomach. You may remember certain songs like Satan Bite the Dust, like you just heard, and Riot, The Righteous Invasion of Truth. Carmen was a rock star in the Christian music world of the 90s, for sure. Some of the songs you probably couldn't play on Sunday just because they weren't exactly (laughs) congregational. But man, he was a legend. And so, of course, our prayers and condolences go out to anyone who may be directly impacted by his passing. What a legend, Carmen. That song cracks me up, man. And I think what what a good intro into the topic that we want to get into, though, today. Exactly. As, as you can see by the title, listeners, we're talking about when our heroes become human, when they come face to face with their humanity, or we finally see them in the light of their imperfection and how that directly impacts our Christian culture and ourselves individually. It's a hot topic right now, given everything that's been going on in the news as I was just even prepping for today, I was thinking to myself, you know, it wasn't uh, that long ago in the news that Carl Lentz uh, was let go from his church there in New York uh, for having an affair and stealing money from the church. And just recently, what was it, last week in the news, the Ravi scandal was released by RZIM and the investigation, the findings from the investigation were made public. Just to give our listeners an appreciation for the scale of this, right? I mean, this story was picked up by New York Times, Washington Post. Ravi had a pretty big influence in the secular world, right, as well as in the Christian world because he was such a gifted evangelist. Uh, But the findings that came out from the investigation was, I, I would say, like for me, that was far worse than what I had anticipated. Yeah, This makes you rethink who it is that you're looking up to in the culture, right? And and it's so easy to go beyond just looking up to somebody as a model and you start idolizing someone. And when that giant, who whoever's giant in your mind falls, what happens to your faith? That's not going to be left unimpacted. I think this is interesting that we started the show with Carmen. Carmen, as you read about his strategy, and, and this isn't to diss Carmen, and the work that he did, but, you know, he desired to use his celebrity status and go big with his shows in order to bring the gospel. And that's fine and everything, but it is interesting that I remember where this shift occurred in the church, where we went into a celebrity status within the church, where all of a sudden you have celebrity pastors and you got celebrity worship leaders and so on. 
And that was unique. I mean, because when I first began as a pastor, pastoring wasn't cool. <laughs> right. It, yeah. You know what I mean? Being a worship leader wasn't cool. You know, it was actually really difficult to find pastors and to get people to work at churches. And then it, it changed. And all of a sudden, I, I'm, you know, as I'm in the, this pastoring, I'm seeing, well, now all of a sudden it's actually cool to be a pastor. But you can get caught up in that to lose sight of the gospel. What you gain sight of is yourself and seeking to make yourself into something and using the gospel to do it. In a lot of ways, this is not a one-way street, right? It happens on both ends. So it's the pastors as well as people who attend church. Sometimes it might happen this way, where the congregation starts recognizing the gift that the pastor has in speaking, preaching, teaching, whatever, and then the pastor lets it go to his or her head. And so it could be that you know the congregation comes together and they bring in this consumer mentality. So I guess what I'm saying is, in, in some ways, it is what we imbibe in the culture outside of the church the amount of entertainment, cultural entertainment that we consume, it's pretty significant, and we can't expect not to be impacted by that. A good point, Steve, that I I guess I hadn't even thought about, and that is that celebrity culture within the church has been there for a really long time, but it was more on a smaller scale. I mean, it's been there from the very beginning. You even see this with the Apostle Paul and others you know, speaking to this problem yeah. where people want to idolize, right? And, oh, I was baptized by so-and-so. And this be this can become a problem, right? Just in your own congregation on the small scale. But I guess maybe what's taking place is through technology and culture at large, this celebrity culture has taken on a whole nother level where and it's not just within a congregation, it's within a society where now you have these celebrity pastors. I mean, I was even looking at with Hillsong and them, you know, seeking to replace Carl Lentz. And, you know, I was reading this one article and they were asking, you know, is he cool enough? You know, is he cool enough to be a pastor in New York? And I'm thinking, <laughs> this is such a problem. I mean, that's not... It's a weird criteria. <laughs> right? I mean, that that's not the question we should be asking about whether or not you're qualified as a minister of the gospel, is if you're cool enough, if you've got the right clothes and the right personality and the right connections to the right celebrities. It seems disastrous to me. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's it's due to a misunderstanding of honor and reverence, which leads people to idolatry. I just think about, you know, the, the position that Samuel was in with Saul. Samuel was given a very clear role and Saul was given a very clear role I see it more, I guess, nowadays is where we don't know how to just honor someone, have reverence for the authority, their abilities and giftings that we we turn this into this obsession. Like you said earlier, we turn ourselves into consumers and put them on this pedestal because we don't know how to see our own value as equal to theirs in the eyes of God. But we look at it through the eyes of the world. Just to add to that... One of the factors that can really contribute to this idolatry in the church is just you not listening to people in a wide enough kind of a way, Mm. right? So, for example, when I first got started on apologetics, this drummer in this worship team that I was serving serving on uh, recommended that I read Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ. 
So I started with that. That was my, you know, to put it crassly, the gateway drug into <laughs> apologetics, right? And th- that's where I learned all these names. But a couple of them stood out. But one of them was Ravi. RZIM had this, or I think they still do, this daily podcast, just a little clip called Just Thinking. And I started with that. And after listening to Ravi for a while... And listening to him do Q&A and stuff and answering all these questions, it was really easy for me to have these blinders on where that's all I listened to for a while. I could see the danger of it because you start thinking like this person and you don't want that challenged either. Yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag, isn't it, Steve? That On the one hand, I think it's good for us to have people that we do look up to. But the problem is that I see us trying to get at here is that if you're not careful, you can begin to idolize those people. You can begin to place your hope in those people. And and they become the gospel. They become the good news. I love this verse by the Apostle Paul, who I'm sure encountered this, right? But he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it's a verse I've quoted many times here at Apologetics Canada, and that is, Paul saying to the church, follow after me as I follow after Christ. It's fine to look up to people, you know, and it's fine to be inspired by people. I mean, those I think that's good. But, you know, you should only follow somebody and place your hope in somebody, if you will, to the degree that they're leading you to Jesus. It's ultimately Jesus that we put up on the pedestal. And this is a problem, though, that I would argue has been a part of the church misunderstanding the Bible, actually. And this is something that I think that we've got to understand. Uh, I'll I'll just mention this again, because my kids brought home what's called a hero's Bible. I don't know if you've seen the hero's Bible. Yes. Right? And it has these Old Testament characters and New Testament as superheroes. So you got, you know, Abraham and David and the like, and they're all in these superhero poses. and, And we read these stories of David killing Goliath and the like, what are we doing? We are often putting them up on this pedestal and saying, look, you're to be like David. You're to have faith like David. But forgetting the narrative of the Bible and why the Bible's telling you about Saul and David as an example. They're not lifting them up to say, wow, these are great guys or gals. They're showing you, hey, they were really broken. Abraham was a dirtbag. I don't say that lightly. I mean, the guy is a coward and gives up his wife, not once, but twice. And you can imagine God just, you know, face palming, going, Abraham, you did show faith. We got to give him credit for that, but then blows it. And, And David again, right? Man after God's own heart. This is an interesting juxtaposition that you get between Saul and David. The people pick Saul because he looked like a king. And he failed. And God's like, hey, I'll do you one better. I'll go look on the inside. And he finds David. And look what happens. He fails, right? Totally blows it big time. That's one thing that I've really come to appreciate about the Bible is it's such a mixed bag. It's so real that it's not like in some religious texts where your sort of heroes of the faith are these spotless, all wise, never failing kinds of people. But then I see people like David and Solomon and Moses. And one thing that comes to my mind as I'm observing this is the fact that we should be careful not to go 
either or. I mean, insofar as this person is a human being, this person is going to have some flaws, right? So what do we do? I think we should be careful not to write this person off as completely worthless, right? But the other temptation is to just completely go on and denying any of the flaws that this person might have. We got to find that middle ground here, just as the Bible portrays all these heroes of the faith as a mixed bag. I think we should take our cues from the Bible and be realistic about our heroes of the faith, if you will, in our personal lives, your mentors, your pastors, whoever it might be. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really great point. You know, I have a, a three year old daughter and I'm going through the children's Bible and and doing my best not to get caught up in. You know, the whole, as you're, you're reading through, you're like, they missed a huge point here. How could you miss this point? And, you know, you try and like, in kids' terms, fill in the gaps a little bit. And as I'm reading through, it's just like you said, it's, I don't think it's done intentionally, but we, we very much put all these like cool stories, like David and Goliath on that level plane, so that by the time we get to Jesus, Jesus just sounds like just another member of the Bible. Just another blip, like, oh, wow, okay. But Samson was really, was stronger than Jesus, you know what I mean? Like, well, no, no I, you know what I mean? It's oh, just, no. and I've started to really take a look at the way that, you know, I read the Bible to my daughter. And so when I come to these moments where I'm talking about Jesus, I, and now we're going to talk about Jesus and I just build it up. So that the focal point is like, okay, there's a difference here. And I don't even have to explain it, but it's just my excitement of getting to talk about Jesus. Troy, this point is so critical for Christians to understand. When you read the Old Testament, that's what you should be reading. You should be reading and you see failure, 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 failure. I mean, what's the name of Israel? What does it mean? You know, one who wrestles with God. It is this wrestling match And what we're seeing is the failure of humanity, but yet a God who doesn't fail, that loves his people in spite of their brokenness, in spite of their backstabbing, in spite of the horrendous evils that they participate in, and remains faithful. And you're absolutely right, Choi, because you get to this place in the New Testament where it's just this breath of fresh air because there's Jesus, and he doesn't fail. And Steve and I, and Troy, we're talking about this because you have to understand as we're talking right now, I am biting my tongue like crazy because we're going to come back with a podcast on the temptation. We're going to dig into scripture and I mm. just want to unpack the temptation of Jesus for you because there is this beautiful juxtaposition between the garden and the wilderness and man's failure and Jesus's success. We're going to get in there because you can tell I want to talk about it because yeah, he does. <laughs> I want to let him go. Want... <laughs> <laughs> because this is the gospel, right? This is the good news. It's Jesus. You want to you want to lift Jesus up. And I got to say, guys, isn't it true? Like whether you're a pastor or you're in nonprofit or you're in worship, whatever you're doing as a Christian, we should be so careful in those moments of temptation when we want to lift ourselves up. We want to let ourselves stay on that platform, that pedestal as people praise us in, in various ways. And we like, in our brokenness, we like that. But man, I you know, one thing that, that I have just been so passionate about is realizing I am not Jesus. Yeah. I am broken. 
but Jesus is not, and he is good, and he has succeeded where I have failed, and it is him that I want to I want to lift up, and I pray that as people hear me, that I am constantly one of those people that's lifting Jesus up and putting him up on that pedestal and pointing people to him, and that that's what my life is is about, is pointing people to him. Yeah. Because he's the true hero. Amen? Amen. Amen. And you know, isn't it a little bit strange that we do look for that kind of hero? What do, what do you mean? Like that we want to be that hero or we look for heroes? We look for one. I wonder if that is an indication of something greater or someone greater out there, just as we have this inner desire in us for, for that, that meaning of life, right? C.S. Lewis said that if I find in myself a desire that cannot be fulfilled by anything on this earth, then the most probable explanation is that I'm made for something outside of this world. Yeah. So I wonder if it's something like that when we look for that perfect, unfailing someone. To me, it's like this agape daddy issue, you know, that we all have, that humanity just across the board has. It's we are looking for affirmation. We are looking for confirmation. We're looking for love. We're looking for that acceptance, all of these things. And, and we, we, we search all over the place looking for, for different things to fulfill us that are going to make us feel home, you know, make us feel wanted, make us feel desired. And it's like, un until you really come to terms with it, I mean, this is the difference where, you know, for the, the believer that comes to the knowledge of Christ, it's we realize that Jesus Christ is the only one that is going to fill that void. He is, I am. He is like, I am that. Whatever it is you're needing, I am. I am sufficient. To your point, Steve, it's this desire for a tangible hero, right? It's, this is what the Israelites did. They wanted a tangible, they wanted tangible, God gave them tangible. What did they do with tangible? They got used to tangible. Like, oh, you're just a pillar of fire. You're just a cloud by day. They just got used to it. And so then the moment that there's this, there's separation from the leader that they actually have been following, who is actually going to God on their behalf, just that it's like when the when the cat's away, the mice will play. Can I just jump in real quick? Uh, what I love about that story of the golden calf is how Aaron talks to Moses. Is like, well, I put all these like golden rings and earrings and everything into the furnace, and this calf just popped out. Like <laughs> anyway, yeah, it pretty. It's pretty like what my kids would say, and it just happened, Dad. Right. Uh, what I, one of the things I was going to say is as we were prepping for today and just praying about this topic, it reminded me of the biggest idol. Maybe you guys would disagree. I don't know. I'm curious your thoughts here. But the idol that the Israelites had, the Jewish nation had, and that Jesus absolutely condemned and prophesied, I'm going to destroy. God destroys idols. And the idol of the time in the New Testament was the temple, I, I would argue. that they didn't, they didn't worship God as much as they worshiped that temple. And they did not like it when Jesus, you know, comes and says, I, I see what you're doing here. I see how you've made this temple a, a den of robbers. The idea being that, you know, that's where you go to hide out. 
You've been out doing your thing, sinning and and whatnot, thinking you're safe when you come here to the temple. You've again, you've made this into an idol. And Jesus tells him, right, this was supposed to be a house of prayer. And what does Jesus say then? He's like, I'm going to destroy it. And, and I think the Jews are like, no way, God would never destroy this temple, <laughs> right? He's like, no, I'm going to I'm going to destroy this temple. I think I think it's important for us to understand, man. God God will destroy the idols in our lives, anything that is keeping us from relationship with him. Mm. Uh, This is what God's after, right? I mean, you've all heard me talk about this a million times. I'm a broken record. Love God, love people. And if there's something that is in between your relationship with God, man, he is going to destroy that thing. I would even go as far as like your physical being can be your idol. My example of this is uh, obviously listeners, you wouldn't know this, but I just recently had eye surgery completely out of the blue, just one day noticed a dark spot on my eye. Uh, turns out I had a detached retina and the, I went to my Apparently those can detach. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. I uh, thought once connected, always connected, but oh, apparently right, not. Right. And, you know, my doctors were like, oh yeah, we, uh, we need to get you in right away. Cause this is something that can progress pretty quickly and can obviously lead to blindness. I was like, whoa. Okay. And I remember, you know, sitting in the doctor's office and I just stopped him at one point and I was like, sir, did, did I do something like, like, how did this happen? <laughs> and he's like, well, it's actually just cause you're nearsighted. I was like, what do you mean? It's just cause I'm nearsighted. Like I couldn't have prevented this. He's like, well, no, like it can be a hereditary thing. And sometimes people who are nearsighted, your eyes are naturally working way harder than the average person. You know, fast forward to my surgery. I'm awake during the whole process, which is just, oh, a nightmare. <laughs> um, I remember laying on the on the table. I'm laying under this blanket. I'm at the complete mercy of the surgeons. There is nothing I can do. But it, I was more frustrated that there wasn't something that I did that led me here. It was literally me laying on this table, coming face to face with my humanity, and it was the reminder that one day my body will do what my body is going to do and it will fail. It will cease. It will no longer operate and I will be, you know, transported into glory. And it was just a really sobering moment because I've always prided myself as being a very healthy person, you know, taking care of my body. I've been an athlete my whole life. But this was something that I couldn't just put ice on. I couldn't just elevate. I had to let the surgeon do what he needed to do. And it was a direct reminder and reflection to what, who Jesus is in my life. And in those moments, he really reestablished himself. Even though I didn't think I needed a reestablishing of who he was, he just said, Troy, there are going to be moments in your life where I need you to just sit still. And then the recovery process, same thing. Just sit down. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. Just heal. Just recover. Let your body do what it needs to do. And that was like such a reminder that I need to put my hope and my faith in Christ, even for things like my body. See, this is where I really resonate with the word freedom. One thing that I hate about people putting me on any kind of pedestal is that now there's there are all these expectations that are being put on me and the pressure that, you know, I don't want to fail them. I have to live up to their expectations and all those kinds of things. 
here's a good indication that you might be idolizing somebody. That person cannot be mm-hmm. wrong. That that's a pretty good indication that you're idolizing somebody. Or Steve, in the case of the Ravi situation, mm-hmm. we there are people out there that are denying it or that won't accept that right. it's true. And yeah. to me, that's a sign of you've you're idolizing the man. I, I've seen that where people are saying, well, the evidence could have been planted and things like that. So okay. So now you're just going to conspiracy theory. And the only reason you're saying this is because you can't bear to watch Ravi be wrong. That's a pretty good indication, I think, that you're idolizing him. Now there's this pressure on you, notice, right? Now you have to defend every allegation that comes to your idol. But what Jesus has given us is this freedom. You don't have to take anybody that seriously to the point where that person can't be wrong. You don't have to take yourself so seriously that you can't fail. There is nothing that's going to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. My biggest need has been fulfilled, and it's not something I did. It's something God has accomplished through Jesus, and the Holy Spirit indwelling me bears witness. There's freedom. There's nothing else I have to do. My biggest need has been fulfilled. Now Steve's preaching. Uh I think that there's something interesting going on here that's worth mentioning. Troy and I did a speaking engagement recently with UBC and uh, with, for Kamagape uh, for their mission week. And we were talking on the topic of racism. And one of the subjects that we, we were talking on was the, the subject of statues in our culture and the removing of statues. And uh, this is so pertinent to today's conversation, the removing of names. And it's interesting as a, as a culture is dealing with sin and dealing with heroes culture, right? And dealing with idol, idols or idolization of people and realizing that people are broken. And it's interesting because I sent this article to Steve and Troy that, that came out of San Francisco where the school board decided they're going to put like $400,000 to renaming all their schools because all of their schools are named after, you know, all these sleazy people that participated, although their name's famous, right? And may have been a president, but owned slaves and the like, right? And did all, all sorts of stuff. And so we got to rename them. But it was funny because at the very end of this article, we could link it to this podcast. At the very end of the article, the school board's like, yeah, the problem is we're going to rename all the schools, but we don't know what to name them. <laughs> right? Because they're like, <laughs> we can't name them after people because they're all broken. And it's like, yeah, that's that's right. You know, this is getting at the heart of the gospel. There is no statue you can put up. There is no name that you can name the school except one, Jesus. That's it. Anyone else, they're going to fail you. And it's funny because I was reading the comments on this, this article and uh, one of the commenters said, maybe we could name, you know, these schools after plants. <laughs> but it, guys, isn't that where we are as a culture? You know, this is probably a really good place for us to transition to speaking directly about the news that everyone, for the most part, within the Christian circles and outside of the Christian circles is talking about in relation to Ravi Zacharias and the confirmation of the horrific wrongdoing that has led to the pain and brokenness of so many innocent women and has just put an overall stain on a ministry that in a lot of ways has done a lot of good. A lot of people have represented RZIM that are all dealing with a new level of grief 
not too long after grieving his actual death. So there's a lot of layers here. There's a lot of back and forth conversation arguments as to things like teaching. Do we accept the teaching anymore? Do we have books in stores? I know some places have already moved to having his books taken out of their stores. Ravi's getting canceled, in other words. Well, our culture drives me crazy in this regard with, you know, cancel culture. And I even think about this whole issue of virtue signaling and whatnot, you know, because people will say, oh, you know, it was quite a few months ago, wasn't it, Steve, that we did an episode on Ravi? Like we were one of the few talking about it before it became this big issue because we had been wrestling with it since 2017 as we were trying to work through all that's all that's going on. I mean, we were one of the organizations contacted by Steve uh, Banyan, the, uh, the, the banjo atheist, saying, hey, you know, I'm finding some shady stuff out about Ravi. You guys shouldn't work with him. And we were having to process that, you know, for a while now. I just thought it's interesting, you know, we, we got pushback on doing that podcast uh, where people are like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be talking about this. And, <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you know, and, but then, you know, now with this podcast, I'm sure there'll be people that are like, oh, you know, you're just virtue signaling and talking about this because everybody else is and, and the like. I mean, it's like, come on. Uh, you just can't win. No, you just, no, you you just can't. can't win. But here's my thing, Troy, that I, I'm processing with regards to cancel culture. And that is the cancel culture is shame driven. Yes. And it's about shaming you into doing what they think the majority or, you know, who are doing the shaming they think is is the correct thing for you to do. Whereas I don't know that necessarily all cancel culture is bad in that with regards to, say, Ravi, for example, um, there's an organization that's going to I think they're going to have to change their name. 100%. Right? If they're going to survive. And I, we already know that the UK version uh, chapter it, branch. branch is doing that. They're they're renaming because I mean people have had issue with the fact that it was named after Ravi for for a while now. I mean, I know you had a lot of issues with that right from the get go. Well, <laughs> you- I had issues with it right from the get go because I was like I had said for a long time if anything happens if Ravi makes any mistake the whole organization exactly is named after exactly. Him. But I got to be honest, like, listen, I, I don't want to pretend like I had any idea that this was coming. I didn't. Even when we were told that shady stuff was happening, I had no idea the depths of shadiness mm-hmm. that was going on here. When I read what they uncovered, and by the way, that's just what they were able to uncover. Yeah. Far deeper, far worse than I had thought. And one of the things that I think is truly terrible about it and truly gross, and Ravi's going to have to stand before the presence of the Lord on, is that he got called out on this, with the Lorian Thompson thing. And instead of owning his mistake, he shamed that poor lady and her, and her husband and, and victimized them yet again. And instead of repenting from his ways, he just hid it and continued on with it. Mm. And... I mean, and this is something that is just so critical to appreciate is that, you know, with what happened with Lorian Tamson, he he then used that as a real a wake up to not repent, but to hide. Mm-hmm. So he deleted a bunch of what he was doing. So we don't even know all that he was doing there. There is without question, as the report says, there is without question way more going on here mm-hmm. uh, that we don't even know about. 
So I think this is where, you know, some people are asking, where is Ravi now? Is he with the mm. Lord or not? The short answer to that, I think if we're honest, is we don't know. We don't know. It's funny you bring that up, Steve, because I had that thought as I'm reading this report. Yeah. I don't know where Ravi is. I, I really don't. And that's terrible. Let me just make this point quick. I've been told that I should forgive Ravi, right? Uh, because, you know, because in a sense, he betrayed me and lots of other people. You know what? I can forgive him for betraying me. But I'm not going to forgive him for what he's done to other people, these, these ladies that he victimized. That is for these ladies to do. That is not my share to forgive. But my share to forgive, I will forgive Ravi. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Steve. It's a shocking thing. But if I'm very, very honest with myself, it's not something that surprises me. I'm shocked that it happened. But I'm not surprised that it's possible. And I think that's something that we need to remember is this is sinful nature right in your face. It's it's not just the big horrific incidents. It's also that underhanded behind closed door sin that people don't want to talk about because it's not in your face. It's easy to go and point the finger and rightfully condemn someone else's actions. But anyone who is listening to this podcast right now, examine your heart. Examine where you're at with the Lord. Is your life one that if it was put under a magnifying glass or or recorded for the world to see, specifically the things behind closed doors when you're not at church, is it a life that exemplifies Christ? The way you treat your family, the way you treat your, your, your spouse, the way you treat your friends, um, the way you treat yourself behind closed doors? Is it one that exemplifies Christ? Take this time. Let Ravi Zacharias not be a distraction, but a reminder. No one is exempt from temptation. The word says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But praise God for his redemptive power and death on the cross that has redeemed us and ransomed us to himself so that we don't just stay there. Troy, I think my, this might be a good place to just uh, insert some scripture here. I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, in which Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. There's a lot of people that are trying to find their life. They're trying to find themselves in making an, an idol of themselves. And, they're, and in doing so, they're going to lose themselves. But what Jesus is getting at here is in humility, follow after me. And, and, and that's going to require something of you. Now, Paul picks up on this in Philippians chapter 2. He says this, in, starting in verse 3, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest, of the interest of the other. So then he gets into this idea of relating back to Christ. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, right? There's that humility by taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in likeness of, of a human being and found in appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
So listen, when you and I pick up our cross and we follow after Jesus, that might not necessarily mean that you're going to physically die on a cross. But what Paul is saying, though, is that you and I, in that humility, need to crucify our selfish ambition or vain conceit. We need to nail it to the cross. We need to kill it and rather in humility, value others above yourselves. This is, this is what we're called to do. Because I, I think it's important, uh, don't you guys, that as we talk about this, we're not excusing away a leader's mistakes because, oh, it's just brokenness. Oh, they're just a broken person. No, that's not, that's not the gospel. The gospel is, yeah, you are broken and Jesus is good, but it's also a call of discipleship where Jesus is saying, listen, you do suck. But come be my student, because yeah. if you're willing to humble yourself and take up your cross, I'll teach you. I will teach you how to love God and how to love people and to follow after me. And listen, that's the journey I'm on. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's podcast, Heroes Become Human. As always, the AC Podcast is a product of Apologetics Canada, and we are grateful for each and every one of you who choose to tune in week after week. To make sure you never miss an episode, please know that you can subscribe if you're on an Apple or Android device using Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Tune in next week as we discuss more things to think about. And as always, love God, love people.